Welcome back to For Fin Tech's Sake and happy 2023, my friends. I'm Zach Anderson Pettit, U.S. Content Director at Money 2020 and your unqualified host. We've got a damn exciting one to kick off the year. My guest this week is Michael Sindesich, EVP and GM of Trip Actions Liquid at Trip Actions, believe it or not. We cover Michael's background, why Trip Actions built Liquid, and the seemingly risky and counterintuitive moves the company made as the pandemic hit that are paying off in absolute spades now. And so much more, of course. You know, we can't not chase nerdy squirrels or what would for fintech's sake be for. I think most of us have at least heard the name Trip Actions, but I have to say I didn't realize the sheer magnitude of this business. It's big, folks. And as the narrative of money touching everything and fintech eating the world continues, this is a great case study. Payments, embedded finance, all of these different pieces fit in here. Without further ado, here we go. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michael Sindesich. Michael, welcome to For Fintech's Sake, my friend. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Zach. It's great to uh, meet you. Yeah, you too. You too. This is uh, this is our first time meeting for listeners, um, and it's it's especially fun because we schedule the whole hour to talk and get to know each other beforehand. But that's not really how I work. I'd rather get to know you actually live as we have this conversation right now. So let's get into it, man. Um, so obviously, we're going to talk about trip actions. We're going to talk about liquid. We're going to talk about one of the things that drives me more insane than anything else that I deal with during my day job or my daily life as an adult expensing and reporting these expenses. We'll get there. But first, let's talk about you. So take me back like to even like your youth, kind of like just the early days of your formative life. Where are you from? Kind of how did you grow up? What what led you into, you know, being the the managing director, the the man that you are today? Yeah, sure. Um I grew up in a town in Southern California called Upland. Uh, it's a pretty small town, maybe, you know, hundred thousand people or so. I went to uh, high school there. Um, I would say since junior high was very active in sports. And the one thing that I knew that I was going to be when I grew up was an orthopedic surgeon. And so funny enough, I started watching surgeries. I started, um, you know, working in a lab when I was in high school and published a few research papers and, um, ended up going to UCLA for college. And there I was on the track and the cross country teams. And, um, I was majoring in psychology and biology and, uh, summer of my senior year, I was interested in making some money with friends. So we actually joined a financial services brokerage. We all got licensed. Uh, there were six of us. And then we realized how much uh, commissions that this uh, company was taking from us. So we said, why don't we just start our own brokerage firm? And so then I was running back and forth my senior year between doing surgery on rats and, and publishing papers there and doing my honors thesis. And sleeping on a yoga mat uh, in Beverly Hills at our office. And, you know, me and some friends, we started this company and had 60 of our friends uh, as licensed agents. And we'd go around and we'd sell life insurance, health insurance, uh, property and casualty, all of this kind of stuff. So that juxtaposition kind of made me realize, well, I really like startups. I like business. I like talking to people. 
and creating things. And um, it was much more fun for me than being in a basement doing surgery on rats. Uh, and so I decided to take a year off and, um, and uh, come up to the Bay Area and pursue startups. And so my best friend and I, we left the, the insurance brokerage. Um, we came up at the time I was uh, actually selling drop shipping uh, gym workout tanks and iPhone cases. And we... <laughs> <laughs> So this is a hilarious story that I didn't know we would get into, but, um, I, we ended up moving, uh, we drove up to Palo Alto my parents were kind of like, yeah, whatever, see you in a week. But, um, on the way up, I ended up getting a job, uh, teaching chess at an after school program in the Bay area. And my friend and I found a friend's <laughs> what? Dead. Hold on. <laughs> what? You're Forrest Gump is what I'm finding out like incredibly quickly. What? You got a job. To, okay. All right. Carry on, carry on. That's exactly what I expected you to say. This will play back into the story. So I'm a chess teacher now, and we found a friend's house. He had his shed that he was willing to rent to my friend and I for $600 a month. And you know, Palo Alto, it's crazy rent. And we just graduated college. So we were making you know money selling iPhone cases, but that's it. So we ended up getting air mattresses. We stayed in the shed. My friend found a job at Oracle and uh, I ended up finding a job at a health tech startup um, that was, you know, and, and I thought it'd be a good story. If I ever did want to go to med school, it'd be like, yeah, but it was startups, but it was medical related. Um, and so, yeah, I taught chess and did that. I joined as the first SDR uh, at the company, kind of helped build the sales development org. Uh, went to a new company called Optimize at the time. It was acquired by Airship a few years ago as uh, the first SDR built out that team, then moved up to account executive, built out the AE team. Uh, and those companies weren't really the Silicon Valley, you know, hyper growth dream that um, that you think about. So that's when I interviewed at TripActions and the team was just Ariel and Elon, our co-founders and a few developers and a designer. So the team was a little bit less than 10. And it was an opportunity to lead and be the first salesperson at the company. Um, so I ended up, you know, I, I loved the idea of solving corporate travel, solving expense management, all of these types of things that, you know, generally suck when you're working and not, you know, you're focusing on that instead of doing what you want to do. And yeah, then it was, uh, you know, never looked back ever since. Uh, don't live in the shed anymore. We moved into the house and now I live in the city, but six months <laughs> Starting, I remember I walked by Ariel's desk, our CEO, and I said, is that Sivan? And he was like, how the fuck do you know my son's name? And I was like, well, I actually taught him chess for a few years when I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of the, the story and how it went full circle. <laughs> I can only imagine the things happening in his head as you asked him that just like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to get a restraining order or yeah, like exactly. all of the. <laughs> That's wild, man. That's wild. So, okay, now that we've uncovered you being the Forrest Gump of fintech, that is then like the I'm stuck on like the great like Grey's Anatomy and boiler room picture that you painted for me of like the the rats and then also like selling and living on a yoga mat. Are there overlaps in your head between like your life in science in your life, especially in neuroscience, like in some of the deepest and most convoluted portions of the human being or even just things in the world and then sales, which I think a lot of people over simplify and actually is like a little bit of a science. Like, is there something about that scientific method or about like just what got you going in science that came over to the sales stuff? Because it seems like now you're like this very strategic person, but maybe at a certain point, it sounded like maybe like 
things were a nail and you were a hammer and the job was to sell the nail sort of thing. Right. You know, I, I did, I did major in psychology and biology and, uh, the intersection between the two. And my, my research was actually on really post-traumatic stress disorder and finding ways to, to help combat that, um, you know, that, that disease or that, that, uh, I don't know how to call it like this, uh, this outcome from really stressful types of types of environments. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's some psychology that plays into it. I didn't really think about it too much. Um, but you know, the, the research was fascinating. We'd even gone to camp Pendleton during hell week and we were drawing blood from soldiers at the very end of hell week. And they were like falling asleep while we were drawing their blood. And, um, oh my, you know, it was, it's, uh, I wouldn't say sales is, is as stressful nearly, I would say startups are stressful, you know, but there's none that I don't think are going to require treatment for, for PTSD, at least, uh, none that I've been a part of. So, um, but I do, <laughs> I do really like studying. I really like learning new information. Um, I like the effects and, and understanding psychology and how that plays into our day-to-day -day lives. And there is a lot of psychology that's involved with selling. Um, and so I think, you know, it's probably translated in some way, shape or form, none that I've, you know, thought about or, or written on. Eh, it's, you know, it tends to be subconscious, but I'm always curious about the, the threads that connect pieces of our lives. So you're talking about I didn't realize that you were, you had joined that early and that you were, you know, kind of whatever, number three, four, you were, you were in a small hand. Like, I think it was like eight. Yeah. Something like okay. that. Okay. Two, you could count it on two hands. That was still, still very early. Trip actions was not assumed a success. It was assumed dead as all startups are. Right. So take me back to those days. Like what, one, what was the culture like? Kind of what was that experience like? But two, what was the product focus at that point, right? Because now I think, and we think as an industry of trip actions as checking a lot of boxes, being a suite of almost an ecosystem, really that it take, we'll take the rest of the conversation to unpack pieces of, but at that point it was kind of just one big problem that you were running after, right? And the product was really focused on solving that thing. Totally, totally. It was, it was, um, trying to make corporate travel easier in the beginning. Right. And, um, man, I've got so many funny stories of like just the shit that happens at startups that, you know, you don't expect. But within my first week, I, uh, I was like, Hey, Ariel, let's go do a pitch. I've got a company that we can sell to. So he's like, Oh, wow. Okay. So we go, we walk over, we were in Mountain View, we walk over to the office uh, that we were going to sell to and it was an admin and the CFO. And I remember we sat down and I, you know, we do some introductions. And then the admin uh, who works at this company starts really pitching our value. And, uh, you know, she was saying, well, I can get rewards to save the company money. I can book in all one place. It'll be so awesome. And they were like, sure, let's give it a try. And me and my CEO walked out and we were like high-fiving, like, oh my God, we got our first, like, we got a customer. This is amazing. Uh, and he was like, I think I just hired the best salesperson in the world. And, um, cause you know, I had a champion, she was doing the selling for us. She got the CFO to sign. And it was funny, he, he didn't know it at the time, but that was my girlfriend, now fiance. Uh, so so we, we sold to this company and um, from day one, then I went back to the engineers and like, guys, we need a way for people to book on web because we only had a mobile app at the time. And even one time she booked the, I think it was the, the CFO or something um, on a flight and when she booked the flight, the, the CFO shows up to the airport and they say, oh, I'm sorry, your seat was changed. You're now in the back, in the middle, next to the bathroom. 
And we looked at it and it's because our app messed up and it changed his birthday to uh, so that he was under 18 years old. And it moved him because he didn't have parental supervision. He was sitting in the exit row <laughs> to the back. Um, but I swear to God, like this was this was the first uh, year, right? It was just like the team aggressively tackling, building, uh, working on our value proposition, like solving issues and crazy stuff would happen that would, um, you know, it, it just, it, it's fun, right? It's fun. And you get champions and people that are on your side and they deal with the stuff while you build and you, you work on it and tackle and make improvements quickly. And that's honestly, it still feels like we're doing that today. Um, you know, on all the new products that we're building internally, but those were the early days, just running around, solving problems, doing a lot of stuff manually and, uh, really focusing on the end user and, and relentlessly innovating around it. I, I think that you now win for the best doing things that don't scale story. I mean, I think that 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 is it is the first the our internal champion. I ended up marrying her eventually is like, that's just not going to scale, my friend, or your life is going to fall apart. But that is an amazing story. But she did go to three different companies throughout the time that I've been here and we've sold to every single one. And we're now selling even liquid into <laughs> some of these. So like, you know, it scales pretty far further than so it like kind of scales. It's, yeah. it's like scales more than I would have thought. OK, that's, right. that's absolutely hilarious. That's so funny. One of the stories that I had mentioned before we started that I listened to Alex Johnson's podcast with you, and I'm going to do what I can to not ask the same questions, but Alex and I have similar brains. So I would love if you could repeat, and I'll put the that episode in the show notes, but I'd love if you could tell that story about you having, I think it was like whatever, 30 G chats open at one time. Just like, how did you identify that that person was going to be your internal champion? Your girlfriend at the time, now fiance, helped you figure that out? Or was that like a logical thing for you? I, you know, I think it was logical. So, so we, we started attacking a market that initially, you know, when you, when you get a bigger company, you generally start to manage travel. We started attacking smaller companies, right? And a lot of them didn't manage travel. And a lot of the times, who are the people that either are, you know, they shove it to that now you're responsible for it, or that do a lot of the bookings, it's admins and it's EAs. And so, um, you know, what would happen is we would always go pitch a couple people. We'd pitch the, the finance person, the ultimate, you know, signer of the deal, but we would always pitch the admins, the EAs. And so for me, uh, you know, talking about uns uh, not scalable, right. But the way that trip actions works, and I, I think every, every company should, should have this model, but it works off of usage, not off of, oh, I signed a contract and now, you know, screw you until next year, we'll talk during the renewal. No, the way that we get paid are when people actually book on our platform, they use our services, they consume the platform, they leverage liquid, right? And, and that type of model is awesome for aligning the incentives of the salesperson, the CSM and the customer. And so, you know, early days, right? I would have 30 G chats open with all the different admins and, and EAs and, you know, good morning. Do you have anything to book today? Can I help you? And we'd be jumping on doing support ourselves and changing flights and, and manually uploading stuff. And, uh, it's just what we did early days to, to be able to get traction and, uh, and get the platform, you know, lifted off the ground. That's not very standard ethos wise in that world, is it? And the idea of pay, not pay as you go, that's probably like the wrong way to phrase it. But the idea of paying for usage or like thinking of it like a Stripe or an Adyen or like a whatever modern treasury API or something like that, that would I imagine I, I use like Agencia, we have Concur. 
I don't really use Concur. I end up paying for a lot more of my shit while I travel than I probably should because I just can't deal with it and I hate it. Um, but is that it doesn't seem like a standard ethos. Are you guys like very much zigging when everyone else is zagging there? Well, you know, we it is semi-standard in corporate travel, but I'll tell you where it's a lot different. So in corporate travel, you might have a $5 online booking fee. You might have a $40 when you call in to an agent. It might be another $15 charge if it's after hours. If you're booking a hotel, but you add a flight, it's a different fee. If you call in to book a train, it's a different fee. And so you end up having this like laundry list of fees. And what we said is, you know what? Screw all that. And we're going with 25 bucks per trip. That's that's what we charge to the market. And uh, whether you call, whether you change, whether you book something, don't book something, it's it's a, on a flat trip type of model. And um, you could argue that it makes us look more expensive up front because no other traditional agency would charge you $25 if you just book online. But there's a lot of service and stuff that comes after. But that's a, that's a small piece of the, the um, revenue. We also make uh, commissions from suppliers, right? Uh, we also charge a license fee, and that's per active user per month with Liquid. Um, so you actually use it. And we also obviously make money off of interchange when people are swiping our cards and, and, and spending money. So um, it's, it's mostly all of that uh, usage type of commission, certainly on the travel side and, and most of the Liquid side as well. Cool. Cool. So we, we keep talking about this liquid thing and we'll probably people know trip actions. People probably know trip actions liquid, I would think by now. But I think, you know, let's pull it apart and do some do some defining a little bit. So we were talking about trip actions at the point when it was very focused on one specific thing. I guess let's start with what happened between that point and liquid getting launched, because that's it's not that straightforward. So give us a little bit of that and then tell us more about liquid. Totally. So um at the time, I was leading enterprise sales here at Trip Actions uh, before I transitioned over to Liquid. And you know, up until that point, we first built our own online booking tool technology, right? We're a tech company. We said, let's build a great booking tool and uh, go and connect to APIs for flights. But there's no APIs for flights. It's a very antiquated industry that pulls in a bunch of different inventory sources and there's licensing and things like that. So we built the booking tool. Then we said, you know what, we should build our own support because our booking tool had chat and trying to partner with traditional agencies to do chat support. It didn't really make Oof. sense. And, yeah. you know, and, and also like when you call our support team, we use technology. So we know what trip you're on. If there's any delays, we know your loyalty clubs, your admin, what trips you've been on, where you're going. And all of that context makes us able to provide unparalleled travel agency support, including chatting in, right? With a, when you're in a meeting, you can just chat and we can change stuff. You can also change all your stuff online too. So we built our own support agency and then we started building and becoming licensed in all different currencies and countries around the world because you need to be a local travel agency license in order to get the best um, inventory rates, content. And so that was that first four years. And that's really, I can't like, that is really hard. It takes a billion dollars in four years, uh, hopefully at least of like really smart people doing this. And, and, and that was, that was travel and we're continuing to, to grow and solve that. Let me pause you right there. So no, 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 it's, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's more just a matter of like, when someone describes a moat that takes four years to do and a billion dollars, I just, there's, 
my defensibility flag goes up and it sounds like I don't even really have a question. Just holy shit. That sounds like a hell of a moat to get across. And it sounds like there's a reason that like most of your competitors are incumbents. Are there people like trying to bite at your heels from like the startup direction or is solving this problem so fucking capital intensive that it's like kind of it's a race of, of giants a little bit, I would think. Yeah, you know, it's tough. Most of our competition is definitely the incumbents, the big travel agencies the and Concur, right? And when you think about it, Concur doesn't have a travel agency. Travel agencies don't really have booking tools. They partner with Concur. So doing both of those is already tough. And there's even consolidation in the space, right? We acquired uh, four agencies in the last two years. Agencia, who you mentioned earlier, got acquired by Amex. There are some startups that are trying to do the, the travel thing. Um, we are definitely, you know, further along ahead of them, more global, more capitalized, and it's our job to continue to innovate, um, and provide more and more things that help make travel easy. And that's where liquid comes in. Um, and, and there's absolutely no one that is building, uh, or provides a global travel corporate card and expense management solution all in one, definitely not with an agency, definitely not with, uh, you know, licenses around the world and all of that type of stuff. And that's why we all hate our expense management and like travel platforms, right? It's because none of them talk to each other. None of the data actually lives inside of where it should live. And there's all these silos and then you have to do re like reconcile everything manually, right? It all kind of comes back to the exact thing that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a good segue to liquid. Um, and we'll touch back on the, the different endpoints, uh, you know, in a second, but when when we were working with customers, what they would do is they would put a central credit card on file and uh, in our travel platform, right? And at the end of the month, they need to do something called close the books, right? They need to reconcile all the transactions. And so you might have a transaction in our travel platform or on your statement that says Priceline 1367. And somehow you're supposed to match that to Marriott Hotel at, for SKO, right? And, and when you add, uh, when you add seats, when you change seats, city taxes change, you, you make changes, you get upgrades, uh, all of this stuff messes with that statement and it becomes really, really hard and intensive to reconcile. And so what we said was, well, how, how can we solve this reconciliation? Um, what we can do is we can partner with an issuer and we can generate a new virtual card for every new booking that happens in our platform. So we generate, whenever someone books, we generate a 16 digit number, we charge that number, the card only stays open for the duration of the trip, and it perfectly reconciles in real time. And by the way, that card can only be used at that merchant, right? So there's no opportunity for fraud. And so it's just this beautiful, obvious solution that says, okay, all of my travel is reconciled now when I book with Trip Actions. And when I mean, when I say relentless innovation, right, that means underwriting, it means raising credit facilities and debt facilities, it means like doing tons and tons of stuff to order in order to solve this problem. But to be honest, like to the moat question earlier, anyone can spin up a card these days, you see like hundreds of <laughs> corporate card companies and card companies and all this stuff. And it's really hard to build corporate travel. So uh, being able to build these two things together to create that value is is awesome. Um, and now that we've already had the virtual cards, we already underwrite you, we already we already do this whole thing. We realize, you know what, we can actually give out and issue physical cards. And we can put controls and parameters on these physical cards, so that you can automate expense management. And what I mean by that is, 
70% of expenses happen while people are on a trip in some way, shape or form. And so what if we could build a physical card that says, okay, uh, maybe the SDRs don't need to spend money on lunch, but, and so the card is off. You can't spend money on the card. Let's say now you're on a trip and trip actions. Now you have a $75 a day per diem. You can spend at the hotel. You can spend on Ubers and Lyfts and taxis. And, and we really started to create this platform that you can pre-configure all of your company policies up front on this card. The employee swipes and we know what's on your calendar. We know who you're with. We know the merchant. So we have all that detail. We can generate an e-receipt. We know whether you're on a trip or not and, and what your policies are. We then compare that with your department, cost center, region, subsidiary. And what that creates is I swipe my card and it's done. Michael is on a trip to Kansas, Missouri, meeting Zach. They spent at a Starbucks. Here's what they bought. And uh, it goes through automatically, transactions authorized, and I don't have to do anything as an employee. And my manager doesn't have to do the rubber stamp, you know, approve uh, type of thing. And the admin doesn't have to pay anyone back. And I don't have to front my own personal credit on behalf of the business. And that's the whole solution that Liquid is. It's automating the entire... Uh, expense management process for both the employee and the admin. Uh, and it, you know, it only really works when you also have the travel platform. Which is, yeah, it's fast. It's very like, uh, the sum of its parts is, uh, is much larger or the, you know what I mean? My brain's not working right now, but not the sum of its parts, the bigger thing. What I'm I just, what I was just writing down was like the number of different versions of a moat that you guys have built very interestingly by seeming seemingly on purpose but it seems like they all come together into like a much larger thing that you were just kind of referring to which is like the the not a pain in the ass piece and actually having a good ux feels like that feels truly like a dramatic step up especially if anybody is not using trip actions and has dealt with others it's a huge step up the travel licensing mode i did not no, that was a thing, but that's absolutely fascinating. Plus the financial, like the underwriting moat and the fact that you guys are going out and actually raising debt facilities yourself to go about doing that underwriting, provide the capital yourself, not just benefit on, you know, a bank's balance sheet sort of thing. Plus the vertical integration, like bringing all those together into one place. It's like, how would anybody ever really try and go head to head competing with you guys? Like, it seems like, you know, maybe there's like little things on the periphery they could grab, but it's, it's fascinating. So tell me, tell me more, I guess, about the, the partner, the, let's talk a little bit more about the mechanics of the issuance. So um, if I remember correctly, you guys are partnered with Modern Treasury. We are partnered with Modern Treasury, um, and and that's to facilitate uh, ACH payments, right? Um, we're partnered with Plaid to be able to allow users to actually connect their bank accounts for us to underwrite corporate accounts for users to be able to even connect their credit cards so that their personal cards so they can just say, oh, I, I swipe my personal card like this is work related. Boom, import it automatically expense it. Um, and even to pay the company back, right? So let's say you overspent and the admin, uh, you know, wants money back, or maybe I went to New York and I spent $120 on my liquid card, but I know my per diem 75 and I took my mom out for dinner. I can just boom, it's like a corporate Venmo, pay the company back, uh, right to, right to the company bank account. So we're leveraging them. And we also leverage, um, uh, Stripe as well, uh, to help with the issuing processing. So we, we've got, that's what I was wondering. There's okay. more as well, but we leverage a lot of partners too. 
Yeah, this, the Stripe, I was really curious about how the card got issued. To your point, I used to work in banking as a service. There's If there's anything in the world, there's too many banking as a service companies. But that's a whole separate conversation. Um, but I'm curious specifically about, you know, I guess less so the choice of picking Stripe, more so the decision to go out and raise like very large debt facilities. I think uh, catch us up on the equity that you guys have raised and the debt that you guys have raised up to this point, just so that everybody kind of has a, a line in the sand. Totally. So, um, you know, we and I'm sure we'll talk about the pandemic, but we entered the pandemic at a four billion dollar valuation. Today, we're at nine point two billion. Um, so we raised, you know, uh, a couple hundred million dollars during the pandemic um, as we continue to innovate and grow with our customer base. Um, we raised previously uh, a debt facility, I think it was around 100 million or so. And we, as we, you know, you may have seen, but we just announced uh, another $400 million in uh, debt and warehouse facility with Goldman and SVB and, and a few others. So um, raising this money is what allows us to actually uh, you know, give the the money to our customers to be able to spend, and then we bill them back at the end of the month, right? So uh, you need quite a lot of capital to be able to do that, especially when you're growing and and facilitating the amount of customers that we are. So that's uh, that's the hence the raise on the the warehouse and the debt facilities. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you take a step back and you think about it in terms of in terms of like the cultural piece of it, right? Like everybody's going to be excited about an equity financing, right? Because your, your valuation's going up and uh, assuming everybody is at least somewhere in the option pool, they're probably going to be happy about it, right? But the debt, the debt facility thing, I think in most cases doesn't draw that much excitement inside of organizations, in my experience, at least, you know, in the larger corporate credit card uh, or not even corporate credit card, but like individual like consumer credit card space, like you can raise, you know, uh, most of the time they'll just lie and say we raised 1.2 billion. And it's like we raised 600 million in debt and then we raised 600 million or whatever. Um, they all but flex I would up usually if you hit different, you know, covenants and you work with them over time, they'll flex up. But yes, I, I definitely yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah, I would imagine for trip actions, and for liquid and this the whole that whole ecosystem that a debt financing raise would actually be something that you would I, I would think celebrate very significantly because it's actually it's not just giving you the ability to lend it's giving you the ability to like allow people to function in their lives and to allow businesses to send people out and to build bigger businesses it seems like kind of the lifeblood of really why you get out of bed in the morning almost Totally. There's there's a couple of reasons why it's really exciting. Um, first of all, they're 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 not trivial to get. So you also have to prove right that like you you have the right processes, you have the right underwriting, you've got the right customer base, you've got this right. So that's that's one big win for the team. We're kind of like we're continuing to be more and more professional. Um, the other thing is just yeah, it means that we can we can sell to and bring on more and more businesses that can leverage our products, and that's that's why we're doing this, right? It's to make uh, customers happy with our solutions. And ultimately, the thing I love the most about trip actions is it's not a when you think of a B2B company, it's like maybe you'll sell something that gets used by a small subset. Travel and expense is used by pretty much every single employee. So it's almost like it's a B2B to C type of product where like people will come up to you and show you their liquid card. And if you're wearing trip actions at the airport, they'll stop you and oh my God, I booked with your, your platform. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it means we get to touch more people and no less people have to sit there on a Sunday uh, taking photos of pieces of paper and filing expense reports. Like that, that's what it means. And, and so that's awesome. It's fuel to our fire in our business. The last thing I'll say that's that's awesome is, um, you know, 
first of all, we pandemic was very interesting for Trip Actions. Um, and I think we were the only, uh, you know, I'll call it tech company having a bad time in the beginning of the pandemic, right? Like all the tech companies were, were booming and, and corporate travel was like falling off a cliff. So, so it's nice that, um, you know, we're continuing to raise and recently it was raising an up round and down market, which is a really interesting thing to do, especially with tech multiples and valuations. But for us to continue to raise more and more up rounds and to raise these types of facilities that provide, you know, more firepower as we navigate uh, the economy, uh, it's great. It's just, it's really good all around. And now a word from our friends and this season sponsor, NeuroID. Or, or a word from me on their behalf. So, what is NeuroID? Think about NeuroID basically as bringing body language into the digital world. Someone fidgeting in their chair is like someone taking too long to fill out their social security number. Or, maybe they're switching tabs like crazy. The digital world has tells the same way the real world does. And NeuroID is that person at the casino watching the monitors, making sure no nefarious business is going down but it's so much more. It's not a person, it's technology. Blocking bad actors, fraud rings, and fighting financial crime is only one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is decreasing false flags and increasing pull through in general. If you can dodge a wrench, then you can dodge a ball. If you can fight fraud, then you can increase pull through during the IDV process. That's what I've always said. Learn more about the secret sauce of what NeuroID does and how they're achieving wild outcomes for their clients. Learn more at neuroid.com. So you you mentioned we were going to talk a little bit more about COVID and you just kind of glazed over the fundraises in the midst of COVID and post in like one big chunk, which is fair because like a lot's been going on and like you've had a lot, uh, you know, happening, companies been growing, things like that. But one of the details there is that one of those fundraises, one of those those equity rounds specifically, was raised, I think, what, like a couple months after COVID hit? Like it was very quick, right when everything, right when there was blood in the water, right? When most people were going defensive, you all decided to actually take an offensive move and be greedy when others were fearful. Take us back to that moment. Tell us that story a little bit. And also maybe tell us a little bit about your, uh, speaking of PTSD, your emotions or, you know, <laughs> anything you were dealing with, uh, inside of yourself at that point. Yeah. 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 Well, the inside of myself happened, um, like that, that would have been the hardest time that I've been a part of was, uh, when the pandemic first onset, because imagine you're, you know, you're starting when you literally had to build your own desk, uh, when you started at this company to we're a $4 billion private valuation company and, uh, let's go, right. We're just, all things are gunning forward. We launched liquid actually in February 25th of 2020. Uh, so five days before we all got sent home for the pandemic. And, um, uh, and so, you know, that happened and, and it wasn't just like our revenue fell by a little bit, like our revenue went to zero, people stopped booking travel. And in fact, we were issuing lots of refunds, <laughs> because like people canceled their trips, right? So like, uh, I think Ara was joking with Ben that like, we're we're the first post revenue company, <laughs> not not pre revenue, <laughs> post revenue company that in his profile. And, um, uh, uh, you know, that was tough. We 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 like, we all got sent home, we weren't together, where our mission is powering in person connections. Our revenue was down. We had to do really tough layoffs, right? I, I know a lot of companies did, um, and we definitely, we definitely had to as well. Um, but then, you know, we kind of sat in a room, the, the East staff here, and we're like, 
well, look, like we did this thing to go for it. Um, we could shutter and, you know, just slow down and, and try and save money, or we could go aggressive. And we were already pretty well capitalized compared to the other startup competitors. The big guys all really stopped and went home, right? And they, they were furloughing quite a lot of um, employees and, and they weren't selling. And so we actually raised uh, around um, at $5 billion. And, uh, and And a lot of this was, you know, with uh, talking with investors that, hey, we're actually, we're building liquid. Uh, this thing can transform from not just travel, but from all expenses, including all business spend. And uh, as people get back to traveling, you're going to need a tech forward solution that you can just download from home. You can manage your spend from home. Uh, we started building uh, unused credits. So anytime you would now start traveling again, the unused credits would apply. Um, we started building COVID dashboards. We built uh, a team travel tool as teams got back together now for the offsite. So anyway, early days, we we raised uh, that up round and that was like, okay, we can do this. And we got some wind in our sails. And then um, customers, you know, just started coming in droves and not that they were spending like what they were before, but we actually took the opportunity to win tons of enterprises that we never had a shot at before the pandemic, because again, the bigger competitors kind of stopped. And so winning, you know, customers like, like Heineken and Springer Nature and Netflix and Primark and, and, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these guys that you would know, um, and that allowed us to then raise, you know, again, another up round liquid started taking off. We were 7.25, uh, I think. And then, uh, now the, the more recent 9 billion as, as companies have, um, you know, just continue to onboard onto our platforms. In that moment, you describe it in a way that makes it feel clear, right? That makes it feel like, okay, a global pandemic hit that we haven't seen in a long, long, long time. The world has shuttered. We just launched a product that is innately built around the idea that we can do what we've been doing. But then you went out and raised money and you make it sound like you were confident about it a little bit, or at least like you were like, you know, you, you make it sound like it wasn't the scariest thing going on at that point, which maybe it wasn't because people were dying and it was a scary fucking time in everyone's life. But was it that clear? Like, were was the incumbents like furloughing people? Were the incumbents publicly like making it clear that this was the time to reinvest? Or was it like a thing inside of you all that you had to like really kind of marshal that that belief and get the investors to believe it and run? Or were there outside signals like, oh, this one stopped investing, this one stopped, you know, how much of that was actually that confident? Well, you know, I, I guess it's, it's probably not as much confidence. It's more of like the way that, uh, people who work at startups and definitely who work at trip actions are wired. And it's like, almost like what else would we do? You know what I mean? Like it'd be pretty boring if we like, didn't, didn't try and execute and like take advantage of this crazy thing. And then there's that quote, uh, I think it's by Churchill, right? Like never let a good crisis go to waste. And and that's just the thinking that we all had. Um, and so, so we went for it and, um, you know, it probably wasn't as clear in the beginning that it would result in the growth that we had. Um, but, but it did, you know, and we, we all believed in it, uh, every second. So, and we took that conviction with the sales team. Can you imagine going to travel managers during the onset of the pandemic and saying, um, Hey, I know no one's traveling now, but it, you know, it's, it, you should, you should talk to trip actions and switch. And, what it evolved to was like, well, actually enterprise, um, the best time to change your corporate travel solution is when nobody's traveling. Right. So like we learned, we got sophisticated. We talked about, 
how we make money off of consumption. Um, but no one was consuming. So we had to take bets on like, how are we going to comp the sales team when the accounts aren't actually generating that much revenue? And like, you know, there was a lot of things and pivots that we did. But, um, you know, if you if you know the company, we kind of we we move uh, the goalposts around all the time and just keep keep uh, navigating um, throughout. So, yeah, and I, I think, you know, COVID, um, you know, didn't kill us uh, and hopefully won't. But uh, if that if that doesn't, then I think we're pretty well set up for the future. Yeah, it sounds like you have a very resilient culture and having, you know, some Israeli background with the founders and just, a, you know, a very uh, a unique group, you know, that you've brought together here. How many employees do you all have now? Oh, I think it's around 3000 or so. Oof, that's wild, man. That's wild. It's but it feels every trip actions person I talk to and you know, I haven't talked to 3000, but I've talked to a few um, and just like meeting people at Money 2020, all that kind of stuff. It seems like a pretty happy startup B kind of group. Like it feels like you haven't necessarily flipped that switch, even in being at 3000 into being, you know, incumbenty in any kind of way. So I'm curious kind of how that culture is manifested, how it maintains itself. Uh, and it sounds like, I mean, you are, you're broadly distributed. So I would think that the maybe different cultures in different geographies, just curious in general about that. And I think the other, the other piece of that I'm curious about is I'm wondering if you all use trip actions. I'm just assuming you do. And that there's a, there's a lot of feedback that goes to the product team. So what's that like too? It seems like one of the most dog fooded potentially companies that you could work at. Yeah. 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 Lots in there. I would say, I would say, you know, for your first question on like how it is working here and, and how we manage it. Um, it is insane the level of like startupiness that that we operate under and and like I love it. I think a lot of people love it. It's definitely not for everyone by the way, but like we are so far from the like heavy-handed, you know, big company kind of uh incumbent type of feel. And and um and and the people who love constant change uh thrive here. You know, for me when you think about like my history and stuff, I was changing jobs a lot. I was changing like what I wanted to do all the time. And I would never see myself lasting at a company for seven years, but I, I, every single day is different here at trip actions, roles change, like crises happen like left and right. And the team, you know, just generally jumps on stuff. And, um, I think it excites people. I, I remember I had a conversation with a new colleague, um, recently and, and he was kind of like, like, dude, this is like, how do you deal with this? Like all the change this is kind of crazy from what I've been. And this person, uh, you know, was, was a startup person. And I was kind of telling him like, Hey, you know what? Like just sit back and watch the movie. Sometimes you just got to like, you know, experience it. And it's like, it's going to be an amazing movie and it's like funny and stuff changes and all that, but you can't take anything too seriously. And like, you know, how else are you going to spend your time? Like better to go tackle big problems and, and like, you know, stir up the pot a little bit. So I, I think that's kind of, the way that we operate. Um, we definitely dog food and, uh, we use trip actions. We use liquid. Actually, we launched liquid like to all of our employees way before, um, uh, before we launched it. And that was our first insight into like, we really need to build policies into the card because employees were just like not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, it, everything is, is our dog fooding. And so we have, we have 3000 employees. We're like, uh, I don't know, maybe 40 or something offices around the world. We definitely I uh, believe in in-person connections. We're back in the office. We, and by the way, we have been for a very long time um, and we do offsites and stuff like that. So we're, we're always, we're always testing our products. 
It's uh do you have any like great stories about uh about bad purchases or potentially irresponsible purchases either inside or outside of trip actions that led to any of that development and if not it's acceptable and I'll accept it for when we're having a beer and you can tell me offline. Yeah yeah Pro- probably I'll tell you offline uh what I will say is <laughs> we actually like when our customers use it it's it's awesome because now we built all the policy controls right so there's just not an opportunity to um, and the policies are subjective. So you set those in the platform and then just kind of let it run. Right. And, and you can monitor stuff, but there's not a, an abuse opportunity. Um, the one I mentioned before was when we just got the plastic cards, we launched it and, uh, you know, salespeople, uh, during, during a big event or an SKO can go buy dumb stuff at, you know, 2am getting, you know, in and out or something. And, and, uh, that was like just early lessons that we learned. <laughs> that's funny so basically yeah build a parameter that says no purchasing dom perignon on the on the liquid card it makes sense different liquids not that liquid it makes sense so i think something that i was listening to you talk about i can't remember where it was but i found it absolutely fascinating because one of the things that i one of my beliefs in life is that if you're going to work in fintech then most of your inputs need to come from outside fintech for you to be able to like actually be an interesting human that can think about the world and think about the future and think about anything interesting because like ACH is still ACH, like new companies come in, Swift is still Swift, RTP is still pretty much defined the way that it was, you know, yada, 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 yada. And I think you said something along the lines of, I think like people should be less obsessed with fintech or should be less like in less in that kind of, uh, you know, echo chamber a little bit. And I agree completely, but I'm curious kind of how you came to that decision or like where you kind of how you develop that mental model, because I think it's really interesting and I think it's actually non-average for our space. I think people really like being that fintecher of fintechiness kind of thing and just like leaning all the way into that you know totally totally yeah and i i don't want to piss off like you know the audience or anything like that that's probably you know in in fintech but you're thinking about it i think the same way i am which is um you know when we started trip actions none of us came from corporate travel and we all knew what was wrong with it and we didn't know like how the other people built their platforms or how it was set up but we basically said Here's the problem for the user and let's solve it. And sometimes it's going to be the traditional corporate travel stuff. And sometimes you're actually going to uncover and build stuff that's like completely brand new. And when we started Liquid, it was the same exact thing. Like none of us came from fintech. I have no idea, you know, what fintech is. Like we're just, we want to solve expense management for CFOs and for employees. And one, sometimes the best way to solve that is through fintech or like leveraging fintech technology. And sometimes it's building like good dashboards and apps and and stuff like that, right? So I, I think that um, you know being too caught up in fintech because it's it's definitely cool. By the way, the parties are great. Like you know, it's nice to dress casual and and all that kind of stuff. Like I love it and and it's awesome. But I think um, if you just you know become a fintech because it was hot or or it is hot and uh, you know it's it's got these like great things. I don't think that's really going to generate value for the end customer or whoever you're creating your solution for. And I would approach it from that angle and and totally get excited when fintech can help you solve it. Definitely. But um, for us, it's it's not like we set out to build a fintech or a travel company. We we set out to make travel easy and and that leverages different types of technology. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a means to an end, right? Like nobody 
20 years ago, nobody would have gotten just hammered and talked about ACH in the way that we do today. <laughs> it's just such a bizarre, like, it's a weird little cult that we live in. And I hope, I hope, I hope that people, their takeaway from that is not like fintech is bad, but maybe you don't need to start the 475th banking as a service company. And maybe it's worth starting the first of something else, right? Like that's kind of, that's the direction I think we're both talking about here. So anyways, if anybody did have their ire drawn by that, um, maybe take a step back and talk with your therapist because it's probably more about you than it's about what Michael or I just said. You know, I actually want to circle back. I think we've unpacked a, you know, a good portion of trip actions, talked to a good amount of liquidity. I'm curious about you as a human and your it sounds like you are go, go, go. It sounds like you are a very driven person. It sounds like potentially you and I are a little bit the same in terms of our, uh, I'll call it career-oriented ADD in terms of wanting to go and solve new things. Um, so I'm curious, like with that and being someone that maybe isn't normally in a role for seven years, but has been now, what do you do with the rest of your life? Like you ran track, you did all these other things. Are you still like gym active? Are you still like running around outside where you live? What's what's the non-working portion of your life? Yeah, good question. So um, when the when the pandemic hit, I you know we got sent home, and uh, it was like I'm definitely I think then like you or like I was very bored really fast because my life was it or is trip actions, right? Like my friends are all coworkers, like we work really hard, long hours, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, when we were home I was like, wow, like I'm bored. So I learned how to fly. Uh, so I got my pilot. License. <laughs> what? I'm glad I asked this question. Now I was expecting, like I picked up jogging again. I hadn't done that since college. I, I built a long jump spot in my backyard. You went with, with flight. Okay. That's yeah, yeah. fair. So that was awesome. That, that is awesome. It's the, it's, it's probably the only thing I've ever found that you cannot think about anything else. Uh, and so it's almost like therapy. It's like, you know, you're focused on what their traffic controller is saying. You're focused on all the knobs and the turning and the buttons and the navigating and the maps. And um, you don't think about work at all or you don't think about anything else, actually. So it's it's really, really fun. Um, so I learned learned how to fly. Um, a Cessna, like how? Talk yeah. to me more about this. I have questions okay, now. Cool. What what are you what are you learning how to fly? And also like, how far have you flown? I, there's a lot of lot coming up for me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I fly a Cessna 172, um, and I I learned how to fly out of here, um, Palo Alto Airport, pretty close to the office and where I used to live. Um, and I have my my basically just my 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 IFR pilot's license. So I can get instrument rated, which I will do next, which means I can fly in the clouds and with lower visibility. Um, but if it's a sunny day, I can, I can go fly. Right. And, um, during the training, you have to do a cross country. So you have to go not across country. Literally. It's like you fly. Oh, okay. I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, it's like 150 miles or something around around. And, um, so I haven't flown that far since actually, I was actually planning to do a trip down or over to Vegas or, um, or down to LA. But, uh, you know, I, I flew my girlfriend, you know, we'll just go wake up on a Saturday, go get in the plane, go fly to, uh, Monterey, have some lunch at the airport, uh, you know, go around Monterey, come back, fly home, uh, and stuff like that. So she's, she's a little nervous, you know, like with me flying behind the wheel. So she, uh, you know, we don't fly that far, but, um, it's, it's just amazing. I would recommend anyone who can, uh, should learn how to fly. That's wild. And in my head, when we started the beginning of this, I was like, he goes up, he flies and he comes back. Of course you actually fly to a place or what is really the point of 
all. I mean, I guess it just would be fun no matter what, but it makes more sense to fly to Vegas or fly to LA than it does to like go up and do a circle. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, that's totally fun. I mean, it sounds like a good time, honestly, just like going up and separating yourself from the world for that amount of time and looking upon all the little peons running around. Also, the people that you probably run into at the Palo Alto airport, just like (laughs) (laughs) that's probably like a good place to rub rub elbows with people, I would imagine. Totally. Yeah, I think less of them are, are, you know, learning to fly. A lot of them are probably being flown in, but uh, yeah, definitely a cool place to be. Well, you know, that just means that you're cooler than Vinod Kosla or whoever it is that's landing there next to you. <laughs> that's, that's my takeaway. So what So what else do you do if you're not in the air when you're on the ground? How do you because you seem like a, a fit fellow. What do you what do you do to stay that way? Yeah, I uh, I generally work out. Um, you know, I kind of go in spurts where I'll like hit the gym really hard and and uh, be consistent and then I'll drop off for like a while and then come back. Currently, I've got a bet with uh, our CFO. He's like, a, he's crazy, uh, you know, runs all the time. And I told him like, yeah, whatever, dude, I could break six in the mile uh, tomorrow. And so we bet and I went to the track and I ran a 603. Uh, and so, I, so I, I, still have, I still have some time. I'm going to do it. Um, but yeah, so generally like run, uh, it sucks because I'm not nearly as fast as I used to be in college. But um, work out. We watch movies. We live in Castro and, uh, in San Francisco. So, uh, my fiance and I, so we, you know, go around the city and, um, yeah, we're just having a lot of fun living up there. So that's awesome, man. Castro's uh quite a place to walk outdoors depending on where the, the time of year and the time of evening, but it's a beautiful, beautiful area. <laughs> that's fun. What did you run in college? Um, I ran the half mile, the mile, and then I eventually started to transition into the decathlon, um, which are like 10, 10 different events. But my, my main event was the half mile and the mile. Oof. Okay. That's terrible. You have the mental strength of Zeus. I was never able to do that. That was also not fast. So there was no issue in terms of my willingness or desire to, but that is, that is impressive, man. That is very impressive. So the usual thing that I kind of like close on, um, and for you all, it can, you know, it can be a Michael thing. It can be a trip actions thing, whichever direction you want to go. But I imagine you all might be hiring based on creeping on your LinkedIn a little, uh, or a lot. There's a little hashtag hiring on there. Um, so I'll link to like the show notes or in the show notes, I'll link to your LinkedIn, I'll link to Twitter, all those kind of like little things. But with the audience that we have of fintech nerds and business nerds throughout, uh, the question is, what can our audience do to help you? So if they wanted to get in touch and, you know, help Michael or help trick trip actions in any way, uh, how could they do that? It's a good question. There's two things. One, we are hiring, um, you know, pretty aggressively across the board. So there's definitely going to be some, uh, opportunities that are probably interesting to a lot of the audience that are listening. Um, the next one is if your company is not using trip actions for travel and expense, then definitely <laughs> reach out to, to me or, or someone from our sales team um, that can help change that because we completely automate the travel and the expense management process. So if you want to spend more time on your passion and, and what you are meant to do at work, uh, you know, then I think trip actions will be a great uh, addition to your, to your stack of tools that you use. 
Beautiful. Michael, thank you for the time, my friend. This has been a blast and my favorite way to get to know people. And I feel like, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to ask you all these ridiculous questions if we would have met in some normal way and I would have had to like respect, you know, a conversation, but instead I just get to grill you. So it's been great, man. Thank you for the time. Good. Thank you so much for having me. I feel bad because they're one-sided. So now I have to sit down and interview you, um, you know, later or something to figure out what you do on your free time. <laughs> we could we could still just have beers and talk about that, but I promise Perfect. the listeners here is a lot more interested in what you do with your free time than me. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. All right. Thanks, Michael. Talk soon, man. Bye. Thanks for joining the conversation, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our time with Michael Sindicic. Go to tripactions.com to learn more and jump into those show notes to get even more details, step-by-step, subject-by-subject. It's getting exciting over there. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and all the other things I'm supposed to remind you to do in your favorite podcast app as the incredibly responsible podcast host that I am. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and I love you all.